This week in the other Bundesliga, we had a snow-covered weekend wiping out plenty of games and a Euro 2024 group stage draw to sink our teeth into two. Hello and welcome to the other Bundesliga podcast. My name's Tom Midler. I'm joined in the virtual studio by Lee Wingate to record our latest Austrian football pod. Um, we failed the fitness test last week, unfortunately. We had to skip a podcast, but we are back in business now on a wintry weekend or, or after a wintry weekend, at least. Uh, how did you spend your almost weekend free of Bundesliga football, Lee? Slipping and sliding all over the pavement, I have to say. <laughs> it's... Uh... Very slippy underfoot out there. Not really surprised that, that several games were postponed. Um, although, of course, uh, a bit of a bummer for the travelling fans in those instances, some of whom we know. So, yeah, f- felt for them a little bit at the weekend. Yeah, I actually have a, a minor confession to make. I fell over in the ice for the first time. I'm a bit embarrassed about it. I fell over on the ice for the first time in in so many years. I pride myself on being good at like, you know, if it gets slippy and slidey, I can balance, I can catch myself. But I was going down a hill at the Schönbrunn Palace and it was just so icy underfoot that once once my foot left me, I couldn't I couldn't rein it back in. I was gone. <laughs> Need to work on your footwork, Tom. I think there was nothing I could do, Lee. I promise there was nothing I could do. <laughs> I trust you on that. But yeah, I did notice it depends massively on the on the shoes I wear. If you wear like Vans or whatever with no grip, you've got no chance. I tell you what, that actually played a role in this. So I'm walking down a, a, an icy uh, gradient. I've got really nice footwear. I've got good winter footwear on with, with nice amounts of grip. But it was just, you know, it, there was so much snow this weekend. It was so picturesque. I put lots of pictures of snowy Vienna on our Twitter, which looked really, really nice. It was, it was magical. It was picture postcard. But then on the Sunday, once that snow had been compacted, it was just sort of an inch of hard ice on all the pavements. And this, as I said, was a bit of a gradient as well. So it's hard ice going downhill. And there was a guy in front of me who was just wearing trainers. And, and I saw him just slip. Uh, he didn't fall over, but he was getting really slippery. And I thought, I looked at his trainers and I was like, what a mug. Just wearing silly trainers like that. And in the moment that I thought that, literally as that happened, I was too busy focusing on his trainers to actually notice that he was walking down a really slippery bit of ice. So then there goes me in my in my proper winter boots. Uh tumbling down um, and then I, I sort of I got back on my feet and sort of crouched down and did like a snowboarder um like snowboarder crouch sort of thing and and, and sailed the rest of the way down <laughs> on on my feet it should be added but yeah a little bit embarrassing anyway um we've got a couple of quick shout outs for the beginning of this podcast before we get to the action what action there is to discuss at least and the first shout out that I'd like to give is to Dan and Archie at Sturm in UK, the Sturm Graz fans from the UK that you can uh, pretty much gather from the handle that they've got. Uh, they actually bought us a few beers very kindly the other week, and uh, we enjoyed those on a snowy Saturday off from Bundesliga football. So thanks a lot to the guys at Sturm in UK. I know they got over last weekend for Sturm's bitterly cold victory against Lustenau, but I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate that they're not here for the the snowy weekend because I don't know if it would make travel um, a bit of a chaos but it was certainly very picturesque anyway thanks a lot to Dan and Archie at Sturm in UK if uh, for some reason you are also enjoying our content and you also want to buy us a beer for our social media and our podcasting efforts you can do that 
at buymeacoffee.com forward slash other Bundesliga. We're almost into double figures there now. So if you want to do that, that would be absolutely wonderful. Um, and another quick shout out goes to austrianfood.co.uk. If you're listening from outside of Austria or you've got family outside of Austria and you want to send them some Austrian treats, some food or drink or some homewares, you can get a really nice range of stuff from austrianfood.co.uk, the Austrian store. And if you use our code Other Bundesliga, capital O, capital B, you can get an exclusive 15% discount on any Christmas orders that you place as well. So with that out of the way, let's start this week's pod with the Austrian national team, I think, Lee, mm-hmm. because we podded since uh, Austria 2, Germany 0, a wonderful victory. Um, and now we've also had the Euro 2024 draw. Austria were up in pot two and we were wondering, you know, is that a good thing? Is it not a good thing, you know, getting in, in or out of that pot? It turns out it didn't really matter, did it? It was, it was always going to be difficult. Yeah, I think there's no getting around this. It was pretty much the toughest draw that it could have been with, I think, as Ralph Ranić said, perhaps the exception of if Italy had come out of pot four, uh, that's probably the only way this could have been more difficult up against France, who are, I think, the world's best team right now, even though they didn't win the World Cup final. I think they are the world's best team and certainly Europe's best team. And the Netherlands side that is, you know, full of very good players as well. So um, it's a daunting task. But after what we saw in the Germany friendly, I'm not exactly unconfident that Austria uh, could do this. Yeah, the qualifier at the moment, people are saying Wales, Poland, probably one of those two. Of course, you never know. But um, France, Netherlands and a qualifier. Games in Berlin and Cologne. Um, It is at least very exciting, isn't it? I think the one benefit of having the toughest draw, and I think it is the toughest pretty much. I looked through the groups thinking, ah, well, it doesn't really matter. All the other groups are going to be really tough as well, aren't they? And then I sort of compared some of them side by side. I was like, oh no, okay. No, this really is much harder than, for example, England's group. Yeah. Netherlands out of pot three. That's the way it goes. One thing I'll say is it does, it potentially takes a bit of pressure off of Austria. Would you agree with that? They don't go into the games immediately thinking, look, we're favourites or, you know, you don't open up like they did in the last Euros against North Macedonia with a kind of must win uh, test of of your sort of credentials at a major tournament. They go into all the games knowing, hey, look, we're the outsiders. We can just give this a go and and see what happens. And I think maybe that suits the Austrian mentality. If you look at previous tournaments, maybe the the pressure of 2016 was too much. and, And this is just the complete opposite. The pressure for sure. I also would say the style of play, because if you look at the way Austria like to play under Ralph Ranić, you've got the the pressing and the aggressive attacking, which does tend to suit teams that come at them. And usually the teams that attack you are the better teams, the ones that don't want to sit back. So under Ranić, they've beaten Croatia, Italy, drawn with France and Belgium, beaten Sweden twice and now Germany. So I would say not only do they go in with less pressure, but they're also perhaps in a group where they're able to make better use of their strengths. Nice. Yeah, that's a very nice positive outlook from the draw. Uh, Certainly looking forward to it anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's what you want, isn't it, really, a tournament. You've got to beat good teams anyway. If you're going to get to the to the knockouts, you know, if an Austria side were able to get through this group and, and find themselves in a knockout encounter, you might be in the the unusual situation for for many teams of actually getting a, a potentially easier draw than in the knockouts if you can squeeze through. You know, if they can get third, if they can get through from third, if they can get through from second, who knows? Um, often 
a random kind of team uh, in inverted commas, a random sort of team tends to win these groups. You never know uh, how it's going to be next summer. But if they can get through, maybe then there's actually <clears throat> a more realistic chance of actually winning a knockout game as well. So it could be a good thing. Um, to go back to, to how you finished there with the, the win against Germany, we certainly got to enjoy that a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Austria fully deserving of their 2-0 victory at the Ernst-Tappel-Stadion. It was... Um, yeah, a very nice night. One of the one of the best, perhaps, for us at the Ernst Happel. Yeah, I think so too. Um, we know at the moment this is not a vintage Germany team. They have struggled under, well, previously under Hansi Flick and now under Julian Nagelsmann. But I found it interesting uh, to go into this game and you know having a chat with some of our friends before kickoff. Who's going to win? And the predictions were all confidently Austria, except one person who said a draw. Um, and so I think that, you know, we've definitely come a long way since Ralph Ranić took charge, that that is now the mentality because that's, you know, Germany are still a big name and, and a much bigger country and have done much better in footballing terms. So, yeah, it was nice to see the predictions and the boldness and the belief, but then also the fact that it was backed up with the performance because some of the football that Austria played was the best that I've ever seen from the national team since we've been covering it. Uh, just the, the quick passing, the interchanges, they shut Germany out of the game pretty much as well. I can't really remember that many German chances. I was um, came away from that game fully won over. Yeah, there was almost nothing from Germany. It was only the most ardent, uh, hardcore Germany fans that were on our Twitter afterwards telling us that our takes were ridiculous. Um, it was a small number of massively blinkered German fans who were saying, no, no, it's completely ridiculous. Germany dominated. Um, it, it just simply wasn't true. Austria had almost all of the chances. I think the XG, if we're just going to go straight to an easy stat like that, the XG for Austria was slightly over two and the XG for Germany was very slightly over 0.0. You know, it was like 0.018 or 0.02 or something. So 2-0 was very much justified on there. And you could see it with your own eyes. Um, Alexander Schlager had little to nothing to do. I remember a shot going over the crossbar that he had to jump up for and, and virtually nothing else. And as you say, it was a really, uh, a really confident round of predictions, even from the the pessimistic fans amongst us and then to see Austria actually go out there and even a struggling Germany side to go and beat them in such a one-sided manner at home it was really a nice feeling and a really feel-good end to the year uh, what a way to, to finish the calendar year of 2023 for the Austrian national team and that will just go on and, and add a nice bit of hope for the Euros so you can look at a group like France Netherlands qualifier and think yeah do you know what we don't have to be afraid of anyone anyway We'll go and see what we can do. Um, and results like that will only end up, you know, instilling more confidence in the players. So uh, another good good way to finish the year and a nice way for Ralf Rangnick to finish the year. And we'll finish it there for our little Austrian national team review. And we can look forward to 2024 very happily indeed. We'll take a very quick break now and we'll move on to some listener questions. Welcome back to part two of this week's episode of the other Bundesliga podcast. There was a bit of Bundesliga action to talk about. We'll do that in a little while. Match day 16 got very much messed up. We've even got games then taking place during the week this week. Uh, some rare Bundesliga fixtures during the week to look forward to. And I'm sure to take advantage of the chance to 
to watch an unusual Bundesliga match on a Monday or a Tuesday. But um, I'd like to start this section with a really nice voice message that we got on Spotify from Johnny Wood. Thanks a lot, Johnny, for your message. Uh, John summed up his question so nicely that I think I'll just add it straight away to the pod with a quick reminder that you too can leave us a voice message on Spotify if you want to feature on the other Bundesliga podcast. Otherwise, questions on Twitter are just fine. But let's go straight away to the question from Johnny Wood. Hi, guys. It's John here. Um, tedious link alert, sorry. I've been an avid listener of the Guardian for Weekly for a few years now. From there, I found out about the Sweeper pod. And from there, I found out about you guys. And I've basically listened to every episode since over the last few months. I really enjoyed it. And it's great hearing about how some current Premier League stars earned their stripes in the Austrian Bundesliga. This is what attracted me in the first place. One thing that has been bugging me, though, is the split. I heard you briefly say something recently about asterisks, but I don't remember you ever fully explaining what happens if a club finishes on an odd number of points after the first 22 games. Bearing in mind I've listened a lot recently, I would absolutely love a shout-out on a future episode, along with a brief explanation on how it works when teams finish on an odd number of points. Hopefully this message gets past the gatekeeper. Keep up the great work. Looking forward to the next one. Cheers. Yes, thanks again for the question, John. Um format stuff in the Austrian Bundesliga. We have discussed it before, but very good point. We've got lots of new listeners, uh, especially this season, since we've upped the frequency a little bit. We've got some more listeners and it might be worth us looking at the format again. So Lee, what indeed does happen to a team who finish after 22 rounds with an odd tally of points? Yes. So in this particular instance, that team would then have their points tally rounded down. And for the rest of the season in the championship or relegation rounds, they would have an asterisk placed next to their name in the table. And what that asterisk would represent is if there are teams that finish level on points at the very end of the season, any teams that have an asterisk next to their name would finish above those that don't. So it's basically the determining factor after points. So you have points, then you have whether you were rounded up or down, and then it moves on to head to head and goal difference and the like. Yes, um, that will come into play. It quite often does come into play um, down the, the back straight of the season. And it's quite a, uh, a controversial format, of course, this this split, because obviously if you're halving points and you're rounding up and down and stuff, or rounding down with an asterisk, as, uh, as Lee just succinctly explained, that means you've also got the top six and the bottom six uh, split into two different categories. And there was actually a bit of a meeting between the, the football bodies in Austria in the last few weeks. They've they've had sort of exploratory meetings talking about the format in the Austrian Bundesliga and in the Zweite Liga as well to try and make sure they've still got the best model. You hear the managers come out quite often and talk about uh, whether they like the split or not. It's almost always that they don't like the points being halved. But one of the discussions that took place in the last few days really centred on whether to get rid of this rounding of points. More specifically for the bottom six. So I think what they're looking at in the Austrian Bundesliga is not getting rid of the split. It would still split, but essentially it would be a top six breakaway into a playoff with halved points. And the bottom six would just remain as the Bundesliga with no halved points because the argument goes that halving points and and having sort of the slightly altered tallies of your real points per, per season you know, obviously a win is not worth three points in the first half of the season. And and having that, they're saying it sort of distorts competition, which is too important when it comes to teams getting relegated, given the financial implications of that. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I know that Peter Packle has been a big proponent of that idea because you know he's saying that for the bottom six, it's, it's it's an existential question. You know, if you have three points that you've won in the first half of the season, why is that being devalued and potentially costing you your place in the Bundesliga and your your existence? You know, in, in the top flight. And once you go down, it's tough to get back up and the financial implications of that. But I personally think that. You either get rid of the points, the point halving, or you keep it. I don't like the idea that a win is worth more at the beginning of the season or the same at the beginning of the season in the top half of the table, but in the bottom half of the table, they've got a different way of calculating it. I think it also looks bad for the league if you've got different rules about halving of points for different parts of the league. So I don't like the idea of that personally. Yeah, interesting. I think it works i think it would potentially work i think belgium have just agreed to do this as well where the the bottom six or the bottom half don't have their points cut in two um i'll applaud the austrian bundesliga for at least trying there it sounds crazy when you have discussions about format every couple of years but they are trying to keep their finger on the pulse here they're trying to keep track of the criticisms they're trying to watch what happens and 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 really just take note of what is going on in austrian football and try to make sure that they always do have the best uh, the best format possible and if, if it needs tweaking then they're obviously not afraid to do that so it does get a bit messy but you know I'll applaud them for that and what you said about it being kind of an existential question goes down into the rest of the discussions because they really were talking a lot about Liga Svar, the second division uh, the, the only other national professional league in Austria and 13 of the 16 teams in the financial budgets from last year recorded uh, negative figures, basically. So 13 of the teams are not really viable. Um, and that's a huge proportion of the league, obviously. So that is why it's so important not to be relegated, essentially. Like a smaller club can just about make money in the Austrian Bundesliga. We've seen from the financial results from 2023 or the new ones that have just been released that even in the Bundesliga, a lot of clubs are really struggling to make money. And it's not just Austria Vienna who have well-documented financial troubles, but there are other teams who are, you know, playing some quite good football and achieving some decent results who are really struggling to make it work financially. Austrian football is is so difficult. And, you know, you don't want to see teams having to drop out of the leagues or, or get forcibly relegated down four divisions because they've gone bankrupt. But, I, I mean, I, I've got no idea how you could renew the Liga Zwar format to, to make it potentially more profitable? Well, I suppose one strategy is to incorporate it with other divisions. Um, Ralph Ranić has called for the Bundesliga to be bolstered to 16 teams. He says that lots of other countries around Europe have um, similar populations and uh, larger leagues. And that doesn't actually necessarily bear out. But I think obviously what he wants is the strongest Austrian top flight possible for the benefit of the national team. Uh, there's also been talk about how the second tier could somehow be combined in with a reform of the regional leagues as well, which is the, the third tier. So maybe it's not something that happens to the league as a standalone, but maybe it's some sort of reform with with another tier in the pyramid that helps it out. Yeah, I mean, it would be cool seeing a 16-team Bundesliga, I've got to say. I could definitely imagine that. And then you'd have the question of, does that keep the top six <laughs> breakaway for the playoff at the championship round or, or not? Who knows? But yeah, let's see what they come up with. Uh, obviously, we'll be watching that with, with great interest. But the next question 
came from Carlon Carpenter, another person who's bought us a beer on uh, buymeacoffee.com. So thanks very much to him. Uh, a, a great supporter of the pod. His question, it relates to this, given that we were talking about the top division, the second tier, maybe merging as well. His question was, what are some fixtures that you'd love to see return in the next couple of years? Um, I feel like we've done quite well, actually, for derbies recently and, and maybe some forgotten fixtures that have come back to the top table in Austria. Um, so I'm struggling to think of any, but are there any fixtures that you'd like to see in Austrian football? What are you watching out for in the hope that you can go and see it? Well, when we first started going to football in Austria, even before the birth of this podcast, uh, the Derby of Love was obviously a highlight in the calendar, seeing, um, you know, first Vienna, who are now in the Liga 2, who, the second division, against uh, Wiener Sport Club, who are still playing in the, the third tier. That is a derby that is just really quite special, not necessarily for what happens on the pitch, but, you know, with everybody um, really, you know, getting together and the fans all sitting with each other. The atmosphere is really nice. Um, so I really enjoyed that and I'd be quite happy if that made a comeback. But obviously that depends on either First Vienna getting relegated, which we don't want to see, or Wiener Sport Club getting promoted, which is obviously very tough to get out of the regional leagues. Yeah, good answer. The Derby of Love used to be amazing and uh, it looks quite unlikely that we'll get too many of those recently. But we've had Giacar against Sturm. That might well happen again soon in the Bundesliga too. We've had the unbelievable Red Bull Salzburg against Austria Salzburg. Um, I suppose for me, maybe I still really want to see a game of VSG uh, at their proper home ground, but that means they have to get relegated, basically. So mm. without wishing them relegation, I'll say I'd like to see VSG get a home draw in the cup again. They're already out for this season, but I'd like a home draw against a big team in the cup. Um, they drew Rapid, I think, last season or the season before, and I'd love, love to get along to a game like that. Um, obviously, we'd love to see Vaca Innsbruck back up in, in Tyrol as well, doing well. But how about in the... Frauen Bundesliga. This is one for the future for sure, but Frauen Bundesliga, uh, rapid women's team up against Austria Vienna women's team, the the derby for Frauen. I, I don't know my history of uh, of Austrian women's football isn't amazing, but as far as I'm aware, Rapid have never ever had a women's team until just now, where they mm. founded youth teams and they're building towards a professional team. So if that applies back into history as well, that means that there hasn't been. Uh, like a Frauen derby in the city of Vienna, um, certainly not in, in modern football in any way. So I'd love to see that one, although it's it's definitely a game uh, which is a good few years away from, from coming to fruition. Yeah, that's a very good shout as well. I'd love to see that. So yeah, fingers crossed that in the next couple of years we can we can see our first one. So we are back for the final part of the other Bundesliga podcast, the football from the Bundesliga itself. The top three sides all won last weekend, including Salzburg 3, Hartberg 2. That was a a real thriller in Salzburg. And it included one of my favourite moments of the whole season, which was Diakite doing a, uh, a scorpion kick. I don't know if you saw this, Lee, but it was like a legitimate scorpion kick, which almost ended up in sort of Bundesliga infamy because... He was trying to defend something on the edge of the box. The ball sort of got deflected behind him and then he fully scorpion kicked it forward into the box for a Salzburg attack, um, which was then saved. So Salzburg didn't score. But if they had scored, it would have been the best accidental defender's assist ever. Um, So that was the exciting game last weekend. 
And Rapide also won their first game under new coach Robert Klaus, 1-0 at home to Blauweiss Linz. But that, uh, that set a few things up for this weekend in terms of games that did and did not yet happen. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you want to start for the ones that did indeed happen? Um, I suppose we should start with the top two. Mm-hmm. We said the top three all won last weekend. That's Salzburg, Sturm and Lask. Um, they were all in action again this weekend and their games did eventually go ahead. But let's start with Salzburg against VRC. Yeah, so this was just one of those games where Salzburg got over the line. And of course, given what happened in the Sturm game, we'll talk about that in a minute. This was a, a particularly um, valuable victory. But I really thought that VRC had some good chances in the first half and especially with Jasic hitting the crossbar um, and I don't think there was really that much in it and then of course Tom we have to talk about the controversy for the goal. You know I'll talk about that this is this is unusual so if you haven't seen this this is a throw-in being taken in the wrong place leading directly to Salzburg's goal and it was a 1-0 win so of course it's a crucial crucial goal. Um, throw-ins get taken let's be clear from the wrong place all the time. It's not such a big deal. It does annoy me. I do have a gripe about it, but it's it's not such a big deal. But I think in this case, it's almost it's almost specifically different because Jasic, the defender, has the ball in his own penalty area and he's kind of hemmed in. He doesn't know what to do with it. And so he looks along the goal line. He could he could put it out near the corner flag and just put it out of play. And instead, he manages to like make a bit of space to turn and get the ball further up the field. He's literally hitting it straight out of play. It's not just gone out of play. It's not gone out through a tackle. The defender has looked up and down the line and basically said, okay, I'm a bit stuck here. What can I do with this ball? I'll get it as far forward as I possibly can. And he gets it down the line, at least a sort of halfway down the half towards the dugout. And then Salzburg go and take the throw in much, much closer to the linesman down by the corner flag. Um, so for me, it's, it's actually poor officiating because the linesman is there on that side. And it, like I said, I, I just feel like it was specifically kicked out in that position to get it as far forward as possible. Therefore, when you take the 10 metres or whatever it was, which does quite often get taken in the midfield um, at other points of the game, then for me, it was it was, it was was wrong. It wasn't like one of those where they take the throw in and just throw it back to a defender uh, in you know under no pressure and nobody really cares where it went out. This, this was more specific. Yeah. I mean, Manfred Schmidt was complaining on the touchline as it happened. So it wasn't as if nobody had drawn their attention to it. Um, I don't mean to bring this up as the first element of the goal, um, because I don't want to, you know, rob Oscar Glock of the, the glory of what was a very nice finish. But obviously, the talk in the aftermath of the goal is about that rather than rather than Glock's finish. Yeah, and he's on great form. It was a really, really nice finish. It's not the first time he's done that lately. Um, get him in the box with a little bit of space and he'll pick out the top corner right now, Gloch. Um, but Salzburg seemed to be finding a way to win. You know, I alluded obviously to the fact that they beat a very decent Hartberg team 3-2 last weekend. Hartberg were, were very good value for their two goals in that game. It easily could have ended up 2-3, you know, or, or a draw, more drop points. But Salzburg seems to be finding a way to, to get these games over the line at the moment. And even against uh, a, a VRC team who were in good form and created a lot of chances in Salzburg, they managed to pick up three points. And that's that's worth its weight in gold, really, isn't it? Yeah, especially when I think there is a sort of general consensus that this probably is the worst Salzburg team of the past five or six years. Um, that's not... Uh, you know, to to be overly critical of them, but just the players that have come before them, I think 
have been better. And so um, the fact that they are still able to get these wins and, and Sturm are, are dropping points, that, that obviously says a lot about Salzburg when, when one of their worst teams in, in half a decade is, is still top of the table. It does. And they haven't managed it all season. But right now they're back on that finding a way to win sort of stretch. And Sturm have, have swapped around a bit. Sturm have really struggled over the past few weeks. I make it three wins in their last nine games, if I'm going to pick out a fairly specific statistic of nine games. But um, they drew as well. They drew this time dropping points against Blauweiss-Linz. The top three have now all dropped points against Blauweiss-Linz this season, which is quite nice for the promoted side. But it was uh, Blauweiss won, Sturm won. And that was also a game with its fair share of controversies. Yeah, I mean... What should we start with here? The goals or the big controversy? <laughs> Let's start with the goals for for the purposes of chronology. So, um, Simon Seidel putting Blauweiss-Linz 1-0 up. There was talk of Ronivaldo being offside in the build-up. This was reviewed and then not given as offside. What did you think about that? Uh, it's, it's one of those. The, the line is a bit wonky because the, the VAR doesn't have a direct view across. So, you have to draw a kind of theoretical line to take into account the the slant of the pitch and the camera angle and stuff. It's so close. It's so, so close. I think it's Dante, the defender, who's sort of stretching out. And, and unfortunately for him and for Sturm, he makes himself as wide as possible. But then it looks silly because you've got Ronivaldo, who's sort of close to being level with the ankle only of, of Dante. And then maybe is the shoulder of, of Ronivaldo offside. It's, it's ridiculous. It's so close. And it's so... It's just one of those that you always feel hard done by when it goes your way. But I think Sturm have to look at the fact that it was an utter mess of a goal from Blauweiss's perspective. There was kind of a, a weird like flick on. This was the offside call, actually. There was a weird flick that, that lofted the ball over to Ronnie Valdo, who was offside or not. And then his shot was deflected up high into the box. And then um, Sturm sort of were ball watching a little bit. And Seidel was able to poke the ball as it came down, then through the legs of the keeper. And that deflects it away from the defender who's tracking back. It was an awful mess. And I think it didn't, it certainly didn't go Sturm's way. It was very unfortunate for them. But, you know, you've also got to do better than that yourself. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't, it was fairly sloppy for, from them. But uh, the goal to come back into the game was really nice, I thought. Um, some really nice link-up play between Tommy Horvath, who I think has been really, like, I don't know if he, we can call him a low-key great signing because he's not, you know, banging in goals all the time. Um, he's perhaps not getting the attention that, say, Erasmus Hoyland would have got. I think he's a great player. Um, he linked up with William Burving and then then scored to uh, take it level just after the break. And then a little while later is where we get that big talking point, the big controversy. Um, I thought this was disgusting, the, the the tackle by Serrano on Ronivaldo. Did you also think there was a... Did you think this was dangerous and reckless or did you think this was more just an accident? Uh, it, it was very... It was reckless for me. It was absolutely reckless um, from Serrano. I saw him in pre-season when he was a brand new signing. And I think if you rewind the podcasts back months and months and months, you will hear me say that I think the bloke's got a good red card in him. He he throws himself about in challenges. He's quite small for a central midfielder. And he throws himself about in these challenges, I think, to almost make up for it. Because he's young as well. He's small and he's young. But he's obviously a very, very talented midfielder. But I saw a couple of challenges that didn't really result in anything in the preseason friendlies. And I thought, oh, man, this guy this guy goes in for the challenges even when he's a bit late. Um, you can see him putting himself out there. 
And this was a horrible challenge. This was just a horrible challenge. He lunged in for the ball uh, after it got away from him. Ronivaldo was there, took the full brunt of it. That could so easily have been a proper ankle snap for Ronivaldo. I can't believe it wasn't actually. It, it's, I mean, Ronivaldo is going to be out. Maybe luckily for Bilal Weiss, it's, it's the winter break coming up soon. And hopefully, uh, you know, such an influential striker who's kind of loved by everybody. Uh, hopefully he's back and at full fitness, but that, that could have had even worse consequences. I think he's already done quite some ligament damage and, and is, you know, in a bad way, Ronivaldo, but it could have still been much, much worse. For me, I, I can't believe that it's one of those when you see the players complaining about it and you think, like, how? How can you? Mm. Whatever happened, even if you didn't mean it, it's still a straight red. Yeah, I think those ones where the 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 attacking player's leg hits the leg that is planted in the turf with full body weight on it is the dangerous one, isn't it? Because if your whole body weight is on your leg and then then the tackle like that comes in, like you say, very lucky that it's not a broken ankle. And yeah, I saw the initial diagnosis was torn ankle ligaments, which in itself is 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 hard enough to come back from because that you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of weakness i speak from personal experience i'm a, a much worse player than ron Ivaldo, but ankle ligament uh, injuries can be really tough to deal with so um yeah we wish him all the best and as you say like this winter break now which is is well over 2 months probably if ever there was a good time not that there is it's it's probably now yeah absolutely just to go back very quickly to tommy horvat um, I think Sturm have really relied on him lately. And you're absolutely right to say that he hasn't got the attention of some of his teammates. He so nearly grabbed a winner for Sturm as well. They've they've really been reliant on the services of Horvat. Um, he's not really an out-and-out goal scorer, but he seems to step up and do the job when necessary. But Sturm dropped points. They're now two points behind Salzburg, which I suppose when you consider that there is a point split to come, they'll still be pretty happy that they're there or thereabouts, given that they have gone through a bit of a tough patch at the moment. Um Lask, the other member of the top three, they drew nil-nil away against Austria-Vienna in, I suppose, what is an excellent advert for the winter break, really. (laughs) You know, really cold conditions, uh, difficult pitch to play on, really tough to be a fan in those conditions. And it it was a goalless draw. Yeah, this was, of course, the match with loads of players going up against their former clubs because... You know, remember that that bundle of last <laughs> players that joined Austria Vienna a little while ago. Um, yeah, a goalish draw, freezing cold, probably not the best day out for the fans, that one. No, not at all. Um, this reminds me actually as well. I think Salzburg in their victory, it was rearranged from Saturday to Sunday, but they got about, was it about three and a half thousand fans for their game against VAT? That's a pretty rotten turnout for the defending champions and, and table toppers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's obviously weather related. Uh, I actually, incidentally, saw a, a report of the attendance figures for the Bundesliga in the 2022 to 23 season. They are at the highest they've been, uh, or they were at the highest they've been since 2010 to 11. So attendances across the league are generally up, but the lowest one is VSG Tirol with an average of 2,439 fans. And when you consider that that Salzburg attendance you just mentioned is only a little bit over that, it obviously doesn't reflect that well on on the reigning champions. No, I don't think it was much higher against Hartberg either. So they don't come out when it's cold in Salzburg. Um, you mentioned VSG there. The team who are due to play VSG was Rapid. That game got called off. That's a, a Tuesday night fixture now. Um, <laughs> we knew people who are halfway... We know people who are halfway. They didn't get lost on the way. Uh, they were halfway <laughs> halfway to VSG, uh, halfway to Innsbruck, where the game would have taken place. And they had to turn back because the game was was snowed off. So that's pretty unfortunate. 
But our final question, just to round up the pod for today, was from Lucas. Uh, thanks for your question, Lucas. With their plus 12 goal difference, do you see Rapid getting into the top six and staying there? They're seventh at the moment. VAT are in sixth. Um, what do you reckon to that lead? They've got better goal difference than three teams above them. Can they do it? I am not particularly ever <laughs> convinced by Rapid. I would like to see a bit more of them under the new coach before I sort of say whether I think they can do it or not. But it would be incredibly damning if neither of the Vienna clubs managed to get into the top six. If I had to put money on it now, I'd say one of them will, and the likelier one is Rapid. Yeah, Austria-Vienna have been very strange of late. Another nil-nil for them, by the way. Their last six games at Austria-Vienna have either been nil-nil or one-nil in one direction. Binary code. Yeah, a binary Austria-Vienna. So the the defence is doing amazingly well, but it's a bit thin ice when it comes to attacking. Um, yeah, just to stick with Austria-Vienna for a second. Wimmer, the coach wanted by Kaiserslautern, plans afoot to sell their stadium and lease it back to try and free up some capital. Difficult, difficult times. Um, they're close. I think Rapid are good enough. Um, the plus 12 goal difference is something. Um, it's not everything, but I think they are good enough to get up into the top six and stay there. They've got game changers. If they can bring them to life, a little bit of new manager bounce with Klaus, the new coach, I think they can do it. It's well within their reach. And I would say the game that they've got to play now against uh, VSK Tirol away this week, the, the catch-up game, I think that actually has quite a lot of significance because if they win that, which they really should, if they can get through that with another three points, then it's two wins out of two to start for Robert Klaus, a home win and a away win. It would put them in the top six. It would just give them that little bit of momentum. And I do imagine that when you've got players like Seidel, when you've got players like Grull, when they get back to form, there's enough creators in that team that I think that's an easier problem to fix when you're looking for a short-term solution to get into the top six. I think that is an easier problem to fix than Austria-Vienna's one, which is defending really well, but not actually getting any goals. Like they can't, they can't let their defenders help them out because they can't score. Whereas Rapid sort of just need their strikers to to find a bit of consistency again. And I, I think they'll do it. I, I just have a feeling Rapid will do it. And uh, that will probably do us for this week's other Bundesliga podcast. The bottom three are all playing midweek. So we've got nothing to talk about there. And uh, unless you've got anything to add, Lee, I think we can wrap it up. No, uh, I think that was pretty comprehensive. So we can just look forward to some midweek action now. Lovely. Very much looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to the other Bundesliga podcast. Goodbye.